Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we have Ahmet Gajela, who is the founder of Stater Labs, and Stater Labs' goal is to bring the next billion into the staking ecosystem. Ahmet, appreciate you being here with us today. How's everything going? Thanks a lot, Texan. Firstly, it's an honor to be here. So far, it's been great. So quickly introducing myself, if that's okay. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to get your background and just how did you get into the crypto space? So as as you know, it's pretty apparent from the title. My name is Amit and uh, I hail from India, currently living in Bangalore. It's a very interesting story how I got into crypto. So I am not a I'm not a degen or I have not been in the space for a for a long time. But yeah, if you actually think about two years, it is a long time in crypto, but as not as much as 10 years or five years. Let me quickly give you a background about myself and then I will get into how I stumbled upon this space. So I am a management grad by academics. I'm an engineer before I'm a management grad. Spent about 10 plus years working across strategy consulting firms and top startups in India. It was in about 2020 when I was very keen to start something up. And uh, I was talking to one of my current partners and CTO, Siddharth. He and I way, go go way back to our uh, our undergrad days. He's a, He's been a veteran in crypto. He's been in the space for more than seven, eight years now. He used to run his own mining farms and uh, mining pool optimizers. So he inspired me to actually pay attention to the space and start investing and learning about the space towards the middle of 2020. That's how I got into this space. And ever since I've been just enamored by the amount of uh, innovation that is happening in the space and also the type of applications and infrastructure that is getting built in, built in this space. And uh, it's about early 2021 is when we had about 20 ideas that we wanted to start in the crypto space. And uh, those 20 ideas led us to look at one of the biggest possible market opportunity and underserved opportunity, which is taking we started looking at the space very seriously, decided that there are several trends that are very apparent to us. And it was very, very early stage back in 2021. And that kind of showed us in this direction of starting Stater, where uh, one of the dreams I had was enabling passive income opportunities, riskless passive income opportunities for more than 30% of the world population. As uh, today, like most of these uh, People living in rural areas, Asia, India, and several other parts of the world lack safe access to of good financial products. And that's where this vision of bringing on board a billion users to staking took shape. And then we decided to build the staking infrastructure that powers this ambition of bringing a billion users on board. Yeah, so you obviously saw enough innovation in the crypto space that I guess gave you enough conviction to go into full time, but what was it exactly that that gave you that conviction? That's that made you say, "I'm going to be an entrepreneur in in this space." I think I would say three major things that kind of drove my conviction in this space. The first thing is the is the kind of innovation that is happening in this space as a result of the entire uh, crypto space being open sourced and transparent. The second one was. Obviously, the market opportunity is so that it's global from day one. There are no geographical boundaries. 
and the third one is the associated value that is inherent within the protocol i just had a momentary uh, realization that wow this is internet space signs on steroids yeah absolutely yeah i i totally agree with your sentiments there and so you and your co-founder decided that there are it's interesting you say that because there are no geographical boundaries to the crypto space, but there can be, I guess, technical barriers to entry or technical personal limitations for individuals to get involved in the space. And is that what drove you to start Stater Labs? Well, I guess it might even be a better idea to take a step back. And so Stater Labs assists users with the difficult technical aspects of staking. So I think it might be a good idea. Can you just describe in your own words, what is staking and why is staking necessary for the security of blockchain networks? Absolutely. I think you had two levels of questions. One is, uh, how does Data Lab help people effortlessly stake? And then kind of taking a step back, you said you wanted to also understand what is staking and why is it important for the ecosystem? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just feel like the laying the, the ground level for just what is staking, why is it necessary for the blockchain networks, and then we can kind of go into the technical aspects of that afterwards. Yep, absolutely. Staking is what staking is uh, for proof of stake networks. What uh, what proof of work is for uh, Bitcoin network, right? So in in the case of Bitcoin network, the consensus mechanism was solved by the miners solving a difficult mathematical problems by miners right in so they i mean the innovation that proof of stake networks have built on top of proof of work was there is no need to solve a difficult mathematical problem instead use the native tokens as a security mechanism which is termed as staking in in in, in terminology right for a validator or a node operator to participate in the in the propagation of network or block production they need to stake the native tokens, like in case of Terra Luna, Solana, Sol, and uh, they will be able to one participate in block production to also vote on uh, somebody who has added a block uh, to the blockchain. Right. So that's that's essentially proof of stake mechanism and staking. Right, and then in the in the proof of work consensus mechanism. Like you said, these computers are solving very, very complex math problems, and the first computer who saw or node who solves that problem gets to propose the next block of transactions, and they also receive the block reward, right? So, on a conversely, on the proof of stake side, are proof of stake validator nodes solving complex math problems, and how do they determine? How does those? How do those networks determine? who proposes the next block, and who receives the block reward. Gotcha. So in proof-of-stake network, the nodes are, nodes are actually not solving difficult math problems, like in case of a, a proof-of-work network. They are actually staking capital. In simple words, they are actually staking capital, and the, the probability of each of the node getting an opportunity to add a block is proportional to the amount of tokens that they have staked. Right? Obviously, there are several 
improvements over it like proof of history or randomized proof of stake for individual epochs etc but at the heart of it this is how proof of stake networks are currently solving for block production right so there's similar in the sense that you know i guess you you do have to put up a lot of capital on a proof of work consensus blockchain because you have to purchase a lot of equipment and it costs a lot of energy and electricity to run those nodes to solve the math problems to receive the reward for the next block and to propose the next block. And then so similarly on the proof of stake side, you still it is capital intensive, but I guess it it feels like that there can be less barriers to entry especially when you have a organization like Stater Labs who's here to assist with the staking. So let's talk about Stater Labs then. Like, How does Stater Labs help, I guess, retail users, institutions, and other individuals in the crypto sta- space with staking? Yep, absolutely. So essentially, let's, let's take an average crypto token holder, right? Or a, how can he maximize his rewards, obviously in a risk-consistent manner? He can go and participate in any of the yield farming opportunities, or he can actually participate in staking. Right? For in order to stake, what does he have to do? He needs to go find, discover the right set of node operators, and stake with those. Like do the do the process, process the data around the performance of each of these node operators, and obviously select the node and stake his capital. So we simplify that entire process by curating these nodes. Uh, no, when I say nodes, what I mean is validators. By curating these validators, and at the same time, we also create buckets of these validators so that the risks associated with slashing, which is the main risk when you stake your assets on a proof of stake blockchain, the risks associated with slashing are minimized. We also talked about how are we going to add value to institutions and enterprises in the future. When it comes to institutions and enterprises, Obviously, majority of these institutions don't have access to any kind of staking solutions. So it has to be individual validator-driven business development effort that goes into these institutions. Now, we want to create an API type of a layer that connects all of these institutions and gives them access to all types of staking solutions that we are building for institutions. Example, take an exchange, like take an exchange like CoinSwitch or CoinDCX in India. They don't have access to any type of staking across proof-of-stake networks. Now, how can they offer these solutions? They can go partner with individual validator, or they can partner with a smart contract platform like Stater, which is an aggregation of staking across the val- across the proof-of-stake networks and also gives value-added solutions like yield farming strategies on top of staking rewards or gives access to liquid staking solutions as well. So that's the whole idea or that's the whole ecosystem of staking solutions that we are trying to build. Okay, so who is your target market for these staking solutions? Is it individuals who are new to crypto? Is it DGENs? Or are you, are you focused more on like the institution or, or DAOs, I, I guess, too? In the short run, we are primarily focused on the retail segment. These are crypto retail segment, which is the DGENs and people who are reasonably familiar with uh, interact with crypto and they already interact with several DeFi protocols. Our target segment is that right now. And as we build more and more staking solutions across the blockchains, 
then we will actually target the go-to-market strategy will be for institutions and exchanges. And what type of, I guess, which blockchains are you currently providing staking services for right now? Right now, we are only present on Terra blockchain. We have launched our first product on Terra about three months ago, have about $900 million of assets staked with us. Beyond that, currently we are expanding to four more blockchains, the likes of Polygon, Phantom, Solana, Hedera, all of these. So in about uh, four weeks' time, we would have we would be present across all of these blockchains. Yeah, and when I was looking at your website, I noticed you know it's you had Terra that was up and running, and then on the coming soon side, you had Near. Hedra, Ethereum, Cosmos, Solana. You said Polygon. I don't remember seeing that on there. But what about uh, just thinking of some more popular proof of stake blockchains like uh, uh, Polkadot and Avalanche? Are those somewhere on the roadmap? Or is there a specific reason why you're not focusing on those two specifically right now? So our goal is to be present across at least 10 plus the top 10 blockchains in about uh, six to nine months from now. What I mentioned is just about a month to two from now. And how do you measure the top 10 blockchains? Is that by market cap or is that by activity on the blockchain? How do you measure that metric? Yeah, it's a combination of three factors. The first two are the current, the factors that are measurable currently. The third one is the potential that we see on each of the blockchains. So obviously the first two factors are the the market cap or the value locked on the blockchain. Second one is the maturity of the DeFi ecosystem in terms of presence of several types of protocols like lending markets, taxes, options, and uh, complex financial products like the yield farming vaults, etc. Uh, the third one is our view of like our view of how big each of these blockchains could be in the future. So these are the three factors apart from presence of existing players or partners that we can leverage. So these are the these are the main factors that we have utilized to select the immediate entry blockchains. And what are your thoughts about just the differences between proof of work and proof of stake? Just in your general opinion, do you feel like which one do you feel like is more secure than the other? Which one do you feel more is more decentralized and is more democratic to the process. Uh, just kind of wanted to get your opinions on that, just in general. Gotcha. I think so. It's it's basically actually going to a decentralized world, right? Uh, so obviously, the the higher is the dispersion of capital across the node operators, and higher the number of node operators, it is better for the entire ecosystem from a security point of view, also, and also from a decentralized. Right. So having said that, there are several blockchains that I feel I definitely feel secure because I'm personally involved in those blockchains. And at the same time, there are several blockchains that have taken adequate measures to decentralize their networks more and more. Like for example, Terra, Solana, uh, Avalanche, and uh, even Polygon to a certain extent. They are they are taking a lot of steps because I speak to the foundations uh, in terms of decentralizing their uh, blockchains a lot more than what they are currently. And what about on Stator's state of decentralization? How does the organizational structure of Stator Labs look? Are you 
a corporation? Are you an LLC? Is it a DAO, just a protocol? How would you describe Stator Labs from an organizational and decentralization standpoint? Gotcha. So far, we just launched our token a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the idea is to progressively decentralize by adding governance to the protocol. Right now, it's just a protocol. Okay, and, and where's that protocol house? I know you're, like, you're active on the Terra blockchain, but I guess how does the mechanics of that work? So it, it, the token that you have is an ERC-20 token on Ethereum, or is it is it on the Terra blockchain? And then, so I guess, where is the protocol's headquarters, I guess, is a way to put it. Is, uh-huh. is it on Ethereum? How does that, and how does that work with staking on multiple blockchains as well? So it's it's obviously a very complex architecture that we are uh, embarking on if you ask us where where is our headquarters i will say we are a terra uh, we are a protocol that started in terra and obviously a terra native protocol for the ease of exchange listing and multi chain staking we have uh, created our token as an erc20 token obviously our the wrapped version of our token is also available now. i'm sorry could you repeat that last part i, I missed it what I meant was our SD token is an ERC-20 token and uh, the wrapped version of SD token, which is WHSD, is also is available on Terra. And so what role does the SD token play in the, in the Stator ecosystem right now? And what, I guess, more specific future implementations and responsibilities do you see for SD token holders? Yeah, I think SD token is going to be a central a critical token for the proof of for our Tader uh, ecosystem. There are uh, four major utilities. The first one is obviously for the purpose of staking and governance. Right now, the, this is the only feature that is available where SD token holders can stater tokens and get a portion of the protocol revenues, staking rewards. And in V2, what we are also planning to implement is a curve-style tokenomics where XSD can be locked and the VXSD holders can redirect the protocol fees across different blockchains and also potentially decide the emissions for each of the blockchains. This is coming in the V2 of our tokenomics, which should be in a couple of weeks. I was going to ask, how does Stator generate revenue for the protocol? So we actually charge a, a percentage of staking rewards as our fees. We are already today making about $3 million of uh, protocol fees every year within within two or three months of launch. That sounds pretty good, Ahmed. So there are uh, three more utilities for the Stata tokens. Uh, one is, uh, the second one is basically the validators in our uh, stake pools and liquid staking pools will have to stake SD tokens to get preferential delegation for themselves. And the same staked SD tokens will be used as uh, potential insurance against any slashing events. That's the second utility. The third one is more common utility where SD tokens can be used to provide liquidity across DEXs. Okay, interesting. So you bring up a good point, which is you mentioned slashing. And I guess what are the risks of staking? What risks can a retail user, what should they be aware of before they get involved in staking for a blockchain? 
obviously slashing is one of the most important risk that can have a significant impact on the staked tokens beyond that one should be aware of the key metrics that determine the rewards generated by validators some of these key metrics in blockchains like terra or uptime oracle commits and uh, these key metrics vary across different blockchains these are obviously the network metrics there are there are also financial metrics like commissions max change in commissions etc that have to also be kept in mind and how does stater address those risks yeah so we actually on whichever blockchains we expand to we build a solution called know your validator that tracks the performance of each of these validators and uh, we constantly rebalance the validators based on performance okay and how would you compare i mean i feel like this staking subsector of the crypto industry is becoming more and more competitive right so we've got stater labs lido we've got rocket pool and even centralized exchanges allow for staking i think coinbase gemini binance how would you say that stater labs differentiates itself from the competitors both decentralized and centralized competitors so i think one of the like on the retail side we are we are going to be present across multiple blockchains and we are not going to be we are not the the decentralized players that you referred to are primarily liquid staking solutions we are not limiting ourselves to liquid staking we are addressing the whole pie of staking market like how we have addressed on terra we have three different solutions on terra one is enhanced staking pools liquid staking and also individual validator staking smart contracts right so we are building this core infrastructure for staking modular smart contract infrastructure for staking that can be customized for any consumer segment like for example our contracts can be applied on any kind of a centralized exchange where they can do a bunch of automations with the rewards automations include yield redirection strategies with the rewards or they can use the staking contract and issue liquid staking tokens on their own validators right so this is the modularity that is interwoven into the stater smart contract architecture that is the main differentiation that we have and beyond the retail segment we are actively going to target institutions with our aggregated staking solutions that nobody seem to be targeting right now the centralized exchanges that you have mentioned very few of them offer such deep set of products on top of staking all they offer is validator staking very few of them offer and very few of them actually put yield redirection strategies on top of staking rewards okay so you're you're saying the the modularity of the stater protocol is is the true differentiator between these and your competitors absolutely right so i guess when stater is looking at validator nodes well let's talk about that do you choose do you select validator nodes that are already validating the the blocks in these ecosystems like let's use terra as an example right because there's plenty of validators out there already and i'm not that familiar with the terra ecosystem and how the staking works but you nominate certain validators within that ecosystem i get well i guess how the stater labs decide 
which validators to use when selecting for, for the staking process? Uh, so, as I mentioned, we have built a product called Know Your Validator on Terra that uh, continuously monitors the performance of the validators. And we use a monthly average performance to pick the top validators or to curate the top validators. And those validators go into our pools. And every month, we actually rebalance these validators. Could a user who had running their own validator node, is there any way to implement their own validator node into the stator protocol if they wanted to? Or is that not how this works? It's usually not how this works. The As long as the user's, user's validator node is performing up to the mark, we would obviously select his uh, validator in the bucket. Okay, yeah, thanks Thanks for clarifying that. that. That was helpful. So which blockchains, in your opinion, have the easiest or simplest, lowest barrier for users to stake their assets? And what are some of the difficulties that some retail users can encounter when trying to stake on their own? So the main difficulties that I see today are, uh, one, uh, it's basically, it's hard to find the right set of, it's hard that are really good performing because it needs some, um, it needs a significant amount of effort from the user to understand the metrics and also evaluate the metrics. That's one. Second one is the actual number of the things that they have to do after they stake their assets, like claiming their rewards, restaking their rewards to earn compounding returns is also complex. Then the third one is now among the several set of opportunities like liquid staking, simplified staking, etc. How are they going to make a decision? And uh, with the liquid staking tokens, what kind of yield farming opportunities do they actually choose and implement for themselves? So all these are difficulties that these users of uh, crypto face today. And we actually plan to simplify and uh, make all of these effortless using our solutions. Yeah, what kind of returns should retail users anticipate to receive on various blockchains? Like how do those fluctuate? And, you know, if if one blockchain is is yielding 3 to 4% staking rewards and another one is yielding 15 to 20% staking rewards, how would a user decide which one is best for them? Right, because I think historically you would say that three to four percent staking yields versus like a fifteen to twenty percent staking yield to four percent has less risk. And I guess just what would your advice be for users when they're trying to determine which protocols to stake on? I think it's it's actually staking is not an independent decision. The primary decision user should make is which crypto tokens to actually hold. And then the secondary decision is actually where do they stake, right? Or, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, whether they stake or do uh, do some other things like yield farming, etc., right? That's the, those are the two sets of decisions that the user has to make. So it's, it's very, I don't think it's the right thing to compare, let's say, uh, Solana yielding 7% versus Terra yielding 10%, because the, first decision that the user needs to make is like what tokens whether Solana or Terra that they need to hold. Does that answer your question? Oh yes, yes, it does answer my question. Absolutely. 
Ahmed, what would you say to critics of proof of stake who say that proof of stake is more of like an equity position in the blockchain and can result in kind of a cotillion effect in which those closest to the money are the first to get it? How would you respond to that criticism from a proof of stake standpoint? So I think it's a it's a valid concern because it kind of generates this vicious cycle of giving more and more rewards to people who already hold higher amount of EOS tokens. So it is a valid concern, but I think it's not something that can be that can't be solved because the way I see it is proof of stake stake is so young, right? It's just probably like it has come to a reasonably good quality just in the last one one to two years. I think it has it will undergo its own set of modifications and improvements before it is perfect. Right. And I would also say that, you know, when you're comparing it to proof of work, proof of work is also very capital intensive. And I think there are even further, even more technical limitations for people to, from a proof of work standpoint as well. I mean, neither is perfect, but in my opinion, I feel like, I mean, proof of work is great and it has its benefits in its own right. And and so is this proof of stake. So which one will, will win out over time? It, it just depends. Obviously, proof of stake is more energy efficient, which, I don't know, it is good. It, and it and is a benefit to the ecosystem. And definitely like from a PR standpoint on crypto as a whole, that stands to be a benefit as well. So yeah, I agree with what you said there. Another question we have here is, Ahmed, why the decision to start with the Terra blockchain over the the other blockchains from a POS standpoint? I think uh, we wanted to start across multiple blockchains at the same time. But obviously, because we were very young back then and had very scanty amount of capital, we had to prioritize. And while prioritizing, we saw Terra ecosystem as one of the most interesting ecosystem with the with high complexity of taking rewards coming in several different currencies as well as airdrops in several different protocol tokens. And we felt that that was a problem worth solving for users. Hence, we selected uh, Terra as one of the first ecosystems to build on. And beyond that, there are several other interesting dynamics that are going on with Terra because their vision is also to bring millions of users to crypto. And that is how they have built this savings protocol, Anchor and and then Synthetic Assets Protocol, Mirror, and several other interesting protocols are also in the works. These are the main things that really attracted us towards building on Terra first. And Ahmed, as you look further down the Stater Labs roadmap, what are some of the key things on the roadmap that gets you most excited about the future of Stater Labs? Oh, sure. Like lots of things excite me about what we are building. Essentially, what we are doing is we are expanding across several blockchains. As I mentioned earlier, we'll, we'll be launching our first product, which is liquid staking solution across four blockchains, including Phantom, Phantom, Hedera, as well as Solana in a few weeks. And uh, we also want to create several value adding solutions, simplified staking solutions, also yield farming or degen vaults type of strategies on top of liquid staking solutions. 
what that means is we automate a lot of the yield farming like borrowing and then do like repeated borrowing to do leveraged staking and also repeated borrowing and automating these uh, borrowing as well as looping on top of these liquid staking solutions so these are all the products that we have in the pipeline and that keeps us going and keeps us excited absolutely and i know we talked about the tokenomics of the sd token a little bit earlier but i kind of wanted to circle back on that because this is a token that will have quite a bit of utility and i know you you mentioned those before and one of those being the slashing insurance will be provided by the validators via the the stater tokens staked can you go into a little bit more detail about how stater tokens that are staked in the protocol are utilized for the slashing insurance and why that's important yeah so as the proof of stake matures and more and more validators come into the ecosystem i think blockchains are going to get a little a lot more stricter with slashing and uh, when slashing becomes important obviously the validators need to we need to incentivize validators to perform well and at the same time penalize validators who are not performing well right so when they stake sd tokens these sd tokens will be served will be one of the key component that provides slashing insurance beyond any other third party slashing insurance we might take for the platform okay and you also mentioned that sd token stakers they also receive a portion of revenues that's generated by the protocol I'm curious like what portion of revenues are anticipated by the sd token holders and what are those denominated in gotcha gotcha actually paid in uh, additional sd tokens Okay, great. So you and I talked a little bit earlier before before you hopped on, and you're in India right now. So I think there is a pretty strong majority of the Index Co-op and uh, listeners of this podcast who are more in like in, in the European and the Americas, you know, in the Western side. So just curious to get your opinions on what is the general sentiment of crypto and DeFi in India right now, just from your perception? I think there is a lot of positivity around crypto. Like hundreds of entrepreneurs are beginning to look at this space and there are several protocols that are emerging out of India. There is a huge movement towards building in crypto and a lot of Web2, amazing Web2 talent is actually entering the space. I think the government has also taken several steps in the positive direction in terms of regulating crypto as well as legitimizing crypto by adding taxation to crypto earnings and gains so 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 i think government is also warming up towards uh, crypto i think uh, i think i think india will be in in a few years from now we are going to we probably going to be the crypto capital of the world Really, that seems, uh, and it, that's so interesting because I feel like for a long time, maybe like two, three years ago, India was very anti-crypto. What changed in the government stance or just the, the general sentiment, in your opinion? The government has realized the, realized the potential of the technology to massively transform several industries. 
and uh, the amount of talent that is already building in this is also has also probably come as a big realization to the government yeah uh, you kind of just see that maybe that governments are they enter their own fomo in a sense from a crypto standpoint right if they yep. and, and that's that's just kind of hold the, the the whole general macroeconomic thesis is that if one government uh, creates laws that are too restrictive on crypto, that provides an opportunity for another government to maybe relax its laws a little bit and bring in that talent and bring in that potential revenue and tax revenue for this new space. So, I, yeah, I kind of saw that with with India, but I wanted to get your take as well. Before we kind of get into some other just kind of general questions, is there anything else that you wanted to address about Stater Labs that maybe I haven't touched on quite yet? I think one of the important things is the team. We have amazing talent across like that we have onboarded from Web2. Uh, these these are all the guys from Microsoft, Banks of the world. I am proud of the team that we have built so far. Most of them are from the top universities, Ivy League equivalents in India and the US. So like big thanks to the team as well as proud of them, proud of what we have achieved so far and excited about what we can build. Yeah. And so Ahmed, I ask this to everyone that comes on this show, but what other projects and protocols are out there right now that you think are doing something very interesting or something that you feel like our listeners should be keeping their eye on? I definitely think a lot of protocols are working at the convergence of CFI and DeFi, kind of enabling both sides of the world. That realm is quite interesting, especially some like protocols building at the intersection of connecting real world users to crypto, giving them access to yield farming DeFi opportunities in a very user friendly way. That is going to be a big trend uh, over the next five to 10 years. And uh, beyond that, I also really like some of the protocols that are building across the blockchains, kind of in the layer zero realm, bridges as well as layer zero. So these these are the two areas that I'm really excited about. Really, can you uh, specifically, what are some of those layer zero protocols that you're mentioning? There's a protocol that is being built out of India, which is trying to build a bridge across near and almost all the other blockchains in a decentralized way. So that's that's super exciting for me. Beyond that, I mean, obviously, I'm excited about Torchain and the way they natively enable swaps across the different types of assets. In the second domain, there are several protocols and projects in India, like the, the likes of Flint, etc., which are enabling real-world users to get access to several DeFi and yield farming opportunities. Amit, we're kind of up on time now, but if there's anything else that you want to touch on, let me know. And if not, just where can people go to find out more about you and Stater Labs? Yeah, sure. So basically, I, I, I think I'm good. We've covered most of the important areas. I just wanted to say thank you to all of all the audience who have tuned in today to listen to me. And thanks a lot for hosting me here. In order to find more information about Stater Labs, you can go to our Twitter or join our Discord or Telegram, where there is we have about 60,000 members strong community. We're always talking about Stater and uh, what's next in the product roadmap. 
Yeah, Ahmed, thanks for being on the show with us today. For those of you listening live in the Discord, thank you for listening live. This is being recorded and we'll be able to get this out in about a week. Ahmed, thanks again for being on the show today. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks again for having me here. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.